Welcome to Shrink the Rabbi, Wise Guys Discuss Torah Wisdom. Join Rabbi Chaim Miguel and psychologist Ben Bernstein as they discuss Torah and offer timely insights into significant events of the Jewish calendar, the meaning and its relevance to our daily lives. Hi, Chaim. Hi, Ben. Well, Chaim, you can also call me Dr. B. You know, Ben, and you could also call me Rabbi Chaim. Okay, I will. So let's talk about why we're doing this to start with. It comes out of our friendship of many years and the discussions that we have had together about um, Torah, about Judaism, and uh, all the wisdom. Right, and the fact that the Torah provides you know, wisdom that guides our uh, daily lives. It really has something to say about everything that we do in our lives. So let's say something about what each of us does in our lives. Why don't you kick that off? Okay, well, I'm, I'm a rabbi, um, not of a congregation, but just as a personal uh, vocational uh, endeavor. And I am currently an entrepreneur. I run um, a specialty Judaic uh, store in Berkeley, California, called Afikomen Judaica. And that's actually where we met. It's a wonderful store, and uh, it's always so resourceful, Chaim and his wife, Nell, and it just have just tons of great stuff. So that's where we met. And um, about myself, so I've been a psychologist for the last 40 years, and I focus on human potential, human performance. I've also been an educator for the last 50 years. Now, um, we want to say that in each episode, we're going to focus either on a portion of the Torah for the coming Shabbos or look into timely insights about the Jewish calendar. Right. So in this first episode, we're going to be talking about the origin story of the Jewish people because it's really happening right now before the holiday of Passover, which begins on Saturday night. So it's a really timely opportunity for us to talk about you know, what is the backstory to the going out of Egypt? What is this archetypal, you know, Exodus story? And how does it have meaning for us as individuals? Yeah, so, you know, it's, a, it's great that we're doing this right before the holiday because I know when you pick me up in the morning for coffee, you're, uh, the back of your SUV is filled with boxes of matzahs and, and all kinds of products. And so tell me about what goes on in the store around this time. <laughs> well, you know, we're, uh, we're like an emporium. Like, a, you know, we have uh, all the different uh, necessities for the Jewish lifestyle. You know, so you know, wine, candles, candle holders, wine cups, you know, prayer books, uh, inspirational books, um, and all the different kind of uh, accoutrements and accessories that are needed. So for the holiday of Passover, of course, there's specific things like the Seder plate, which holds all the symbolic items. There's a special food like matzah, and we have a variety of different kinds of matzah because, of course, the Jews can't just have one type of matzah. You have to have different kinds, round matzah, square matzah, and so we have all of these, uh, all of these different uh, uh, lifestyle um, accessories for, the, for Jewish living. And so when it's coming up to a holiday like Passover, it's particularly busy. You know, people are shopping um, to make sure that they have what they need to, to um, 
engage in the different uh, rituals. So one of the things, one of the things I know we've talked about over the years are, are uh, the Haggadah, right? So when people come in, what are they looking for in terms of the, <laughs> the Seder and the Haggadah? Right, well, I, I have to say the, the majority of people uh, who come to my store, you, you know, want the short version. They want, you know, a lot of people are looking for the 30-minute Seder. They want, you know, to to get through the rituals in in, in a way where they feel, um, you know, that they're uh, connecting to the tradition, connecting to the history, uh, but they don't want to get too bogged down and let the soup get cold, as it were. So, um, you know, and then there's a lot of people who are, you know, engaging with young children. And what tends to happen is that the level of engagement is dictated by the youngest people at the Seder. So a lot of, you know, people are coming in wanting to get the, let's get the Sammy Spider's first Haggadah, you know, and kind of, all right, that's enough for us. You know, we'll eat a matzah, we'll have some wine, we'll sing a song, we'll put the kids to bed, you know, and, and we'll have done Passover. So, you know, I also know from our experience, my wife and I am going to Seder since we've lived in the Bay Area for the last almost 30 years. Um, there's all kinds of other Haggadahs, right? I mean, like alternative Haggadahs. I, I, I would imagine, especially in the Berkeley area, people are looking for different versions as well. Is that is that accurate? Oh, yes. Not only looking for different versions, but creating their own different versions. I think the Haggadah is probably the most commented on um, and extrapolated of, of any Jewish book, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a telling of a story, but through ritual. So the text of the Haggadah is very limited. You know, the obligatory text that you have to say is very limited. So it really gives a lot of space for people to put in a lot of um, extra uh, meaningful uh, readings or expressions into this into the seder night and then those take all different kinds of uh you know uh, dimensions it could be social action and social justice it could be political it could be environmental and being earth sensitive you know this is a spring holiday it's happening at a time when things are the world is being rejuvenated in in the springtime um, and then it also can speak to a deeper personal message you know, about personal growth, emancipation, um, and liberation. These are these are the big themes. Well, um, uh, I, I'm kind of hooked on Sammy the Spider's first Seder. <laughs> I've got to I've got to <laughs> get that version. But you know, I want to comment on this because I remember, as we've been talking about it, how well I remember um, the Seder where I was the youngest. You know, so I was I was the first grandchild in the family. So as soon as I could say the four questions that was momentous i mean it was huge right and just a couple of years after that there was another you know youngest person but then i have to say over the years um not really connecting with the hebrew and just feeling like you know this is going on a long time i can smell the matzo ball soup but it's not on the table um <laughs> and it became like kind of a waiting game uh and I knew something was off about that, you know, um, my father, my grandfather. Um, but there was, uh, you know, it just was like, when are we going to get to the meal? That changed for me. I would say, I don't want to say about 
15 years ago, maybe a little more, when a dear friend in Berkeley, uh, was named Candace Falk and her husband Lowell Finley, held a Seder for all kinds of friends, and they, they kind of know everybody. But the, the officiant of that Seder was a woman who um, really spoke very eloquently about uh, something specific about the Passover holiday or about Passover itself, and that was the word Mitzrayim. And I had never really heard that word before. And she said, well, that is the word for Egypt, but it also has a deeper meaning. And I, I'd love if you could expand on that a little, and then we're going to talk about how that um, occurs to us. Mitzrayim. This is Jews coming out of Mitzrayim. Right, right. So that's a, that's a, great, that's a great thing, because you know, the Hebrew language is very rich, and it's, uh, it's, every word is a composite, a compound of letters, which are sometimes also parts of other words. And so the word Mitzrayim, which is the formal name of Egypt, the land of Egypt is called Mitzrayim in the Torah, but the root of the word is Tsar. And Tsar in Hebrew means narrow or constricted or limited or pain, painful. And like in Yiddish, you know, you probably are familiar with the Yiddish term tsuris. Yeah, you know, I've heard that. I've heard tsuris. that. I've heard that many times. <laughs> I got a lot of tsuris. I got a lot of tsuris going on over here. You don't know from my tsuris. You don't want to know. My tsuris is bigger than your tsuris. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to let's not get too personal about the visuals. <laughs> OK, OK. But um, but tsuris in Yiddish, it comes from the same root. Tsuris means things that bother us. Things that are troublesome, you know, it's tsar, it's pain and constriction. And so allegorically, we can look at the, the, the narrative of the story of going out of Egypt as a personal journey from the things that are limiting in our own personal lives, you know, and I know that um, that's relevant to, to us uh, as individuals, you know, in a general sense, but I think also we have ways of relating to it in a particular sense, you know, that make this idea of looking at the Passover experience as a journey towards personal growth, personal freedom and liberation, you know, is very meaningful. For sure, because when I first heard that and spoke about the narrow land, you know, Mitzrayim, the narrow land, the land of bondage, of slavery, um, I was already a number of years into recovery from two really pretty strong addictions. So I've been in recovery for 37 years now. But when I th and when I think about uh, Mitzrayim, about narrow land, about bondage, you know, I was a slave to those addictions. You know, I was I was bound in by them. I I I could not get out of them until I sought the the help and the the kind of spiritual guidance that I've gotten and um, in all kinds of different ways. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's a daily practice, as I find it fine, because I'm, I'll give you an example. Like right now, there are two um, goals that I have in terms of my physical health. One is to reduce my weight. My blood pressure got too high. Um, 74 years old, high blood pressure, developing belly. No, no, we don't want to go there. So, so you know, changing my diet, daily exercise, it sounds good, 
But there are a lot of old habits, you know, in place. Am I going to have the cheesecake or the apple? Okay, I'll have the apple tomorrow. I'll have the cheesecake today, <laughs> right? So, so being bound by our habits, I mean, they don't have to be as strong as addictions, although that's kind of the whole spectrum. That is, um, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a daily practice because I can see often how I'm, like that, that example, I'm either postponing or I'm giving excuses, but I'm still in bondage. And to get out of that into the freedom of choice, into the freedom of just my, you know, individuality, into the freedom of really being able to connect, um, it makes a huge difference. You you relate well, to that as well? I, 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 I do. I very much do. Um, I also have a, more than two decades experience in recovery, almost 25 years of recovery experience. And it... Um, you know, the the parallel between you know the dynamic of um, recognizing a person's um, uh, shortcomings, recognizing where patterns of behavior and thinking are not serving to the higher goals of the of that person, you know, is very much in alignment with the whole narrative and story of Passover. So going, you know, when we use this uh, story of Passover as a as a model for how you know an individual can also transcend the limitations of their of their reality you know it wasn't the it wasn't the people themselves that extracted um the nation of israel out of the slavery you know there there was a power greater than the people which had a strong influence on fortifying the people who had been slaves for over 400 years, and also for um, extracting retribution against the um, the Egyptians, you know, Pharaoh in particular, and the cruelty, you know, that is inherent in any kind of a slave relationship. So, and that's a a a, a theme which is echoed in recovery. You know, where a person recognizes the limitations of the situation that they're in and the limitations that they have in being able to do anything about it individually. So there's this connection between calling out to a power greater than oneself and also connecting with the support of the community. And both of these things take place, you know, um, in, this, in the Passover. That's that's that's. Beautiful. You know, before we move on to the last part of what we wanted to talk about, I, I think we both want to underline that um, anyone who's listening to this podcast to take away to their Seder this, these reflections on Mitzrayim, because that could be a wonderful thing, you know, to sit around the table and to talk about Mitzrayim and what is it that the person, each person wants to um, be be free of, be liberated from, get out of. I mean, I've been at seders where this is discussed. Children as little as six or seven have things that they have to say about that. You know, so it, oh, yeah. it gives so much meaning. Yes, I think that's I think that's really true. From a very young age, I think people are able to recognize, you know, what's you know what's going to get me a gold star, you know, and what's going to get me a timeout, you know. So if I want to get more gold stars, I'm going to behave this way. If I want to avoid having a timeout, you know, I'm going to stop doing doing that. That's that's pretty uh, rudimentary, 
you know, but there's a part of the character which really responds to that kind of rudimentary um, uh, messaging, you know, and I think when you get into it as a, when you're looking at the experience of the Passover Seder with all of the rituals, you know, and all of the different elements of it, there, every element of the Seder, you know, you could go, you know, you could do a whole podcast about, every, you know, why the three matzahs and the bitter herbs and the salt water and the haroset and the wine and, you know, and what are we, what are we saying and the four questions and all the songs and everything could be its own uh, chapter. And collectively, it, in, a, in a simplified way, it really gives us the empowerment to, to make change in our personal lives. Yeah. I, I would imagine you're going to start carrying Passover gold stars, you know, in the, in the store. But, you know, Rabbi Chaim, um, you, you referenced a couple of times something about this story, the origin story, and, and the meaning for the community. And I think, you know, in our discussion, this has been significant for both of us about, like, why is this, we've talked about the personal relevance, but let's talk about the, the larger context of this, of this exodus, of this liberation, and what it, what it signifies. This, this is the really the birth of the nation moment. So this is a key moment in the origin story of the Jewish people. And um, this is the fulfillment of a promise that was made between God and the ancestors, you know, Abraham in particular. So the ancient ancestors uh, that preceded the exodus from Egypt by 2,000 years. So you have, it was a long time ago in the oral tradition of our, of our family, our ancestors, that we would be sent into Egypt, but then we would be redeemed. And this is what's taking place now in this Passover moment. And what, what, transpires, what transpires from that is um, oh, I'm sorry, I just got distracted a second. That th this um, The fact that we have um, our origin story retained in the document of the Torah, that we can cycle back through every single year through the same narrative, um, is something that I think is unique to a displaced people. And that the Jewish people, having been living in a, in a displaced or a state for the last, let's say, 2,000 years, Notwithstanding the fact that the state of Israel exists and there is a place that Jews can go to and, and identify and connect with our ancestral in homeland. The experience of, that's described in going out of Egypt is really the, also the experience of the birth of the Jewish people as a nation people, as a, as a collective identity. What started out as description of a few individuals, family members going into Egypt over a period of 400 years, a massive amount of people come out um, and um, develop this unique relationship with um, this power greater than the collective. And um, that 
drives them then forward into their journey into the desert, into the wilderness, through the Red Sea, and to the um, eventual receiving of the Ten Commandments. And this whole journey is taking place, you know, as part of this Passover narrative. And, 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 and this is how we form this collective identity as the Jewish people. And, and, this, and that's why the holiday of Passover is so significant to us and why so many people participate in it um, if, at the varying levels that they're able to find access because they have a sense that this is what our being Jewish is really about. So it has significance, I'm hearing you say it has significance in a sense on two levels. One is this individual significance of getting out of Mitzrayim, right, our own bondage, our own narrow place. But it's also the significance of our being each part of a larger community and having the support of the community in doing that, which again, you know, we, you referenced this before, which we also find, you know, in part of recovery programs, that you're part of a community of people who are striving for more spiritual connection. But that, you know, leads, leads us or me right now to talk about how really appreciating the story, in that sense, our story, my, our hope is, is that it also leads people to be curious about and appreciative and valuing other people's stories because every community has a story. Correct, correct. And I, I, I think um, what, what, what strikes me as really profound, and, and this is what I was trying, kind of trying to, to get out before, was that I think when, when you look at the effect of being displaced as a, as a whole people, what tends to happen is, you know, it's like what people are calling now cancel culture. So when colonialists come into a land and they want to uproot the indigenous people from their land and take over the resources, and they want to cancel the culture that they are colonizing. So they get to do away with their language, they isolate them from their spirituality, they disperse them from one another so they don't have continuity of community. And that's those are all things that have were impacted upon the Jewish people over the centuries. The unique thing about the Jewish people, which I think makes us different than, let's say, um, Africans who were stolen from Africa and deposited in other parts of the world, um, is that we have a written testament that has been maintained intact scrupulously for thousands of years. And so it despite the fact that we've been spread out all over the world and, and, and uh, afflicted and oppressed and um, marginalized over and over and over and over again, what we have is the Torah. And within the Torah, it delineates what observances we do over time. And this is something that keeps us together as a people. Also, what it took me quite a while to realize the significance of rereading the entire Torah every year, right? It's the same scroll. You go through it, and then you rewind, and you go through it again, except you're in a different place every year. It's the same story. You're in a different place. The Mitzrayim that I was in a year ago is not like the Mitzrayim I'm in now. But so it gives us this this written document, this rich uh, uh, um, 
uh, base roadmap text gives us this opportunity to keep growing year after year. Right. And, and hopefully we get inspired to do that, to grow every year. You know, it's like, um, you know, just like, I know that I've met people in the, the recovery community who, who, who come in and they think, oh, yeah, 12 steps, 12 months, I'll be done with this, you know, and, 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 and it only gets richer over time. You know, when you realize, like, okay, step one, stop doing the things that are not serving me. Step two, deepen my sense of community. Step three, cultivate my uh, conscious contact with this uh, spirituality, this power greater than myself, and, and live my life according to that relationship. You know, so even though, you know, you, you go through the the steps could be several times over a person's recovery lifetime. It's similar to that cyclical reading of the Torah. It's like a, a spiral. So you go around in the same cycle, but you're also ascending upwards through your experience. Oh, that's beautiful. Because I was thinking about that, you know, as we come close to closing here, that bringing children into this spiral where they can they can grow, you know, to see to look forward to Passover. Of course, the food is fabulous. Of course, we want to find the afikomen. Of course, all of that. But to as a gathering, as a, a reaffirmation of a community, as the opportunity to share how each of us is coming out of and through the places of bondage that we have, makes the whole experience so much richer. Right, and unfortunately, a lot of people had. You know, they had a Bubby and Zadie or a Safta and Safta, you know, or a Papa and Nana who, who grew up imbued with the ritual life um, at one time and moved to on into a new world like the United States or, or South America or Australia or Europe. And a lot of that life may have been forgotten or left behind. And then you have generations that are growing up and they have no idea about some of the richness of it. And the easy, the default thing to fall back on, and the thing that a lot of people fetishize about is the food, you know? And you know, there's a, a very funny movie called When Do We Eat? You know, a, 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 about a family trying to make sense of the Passover Seder with all the different characters and developments in their own personal family. There's a, there's a lot there, and, and I, I want to encourage, you know, myself and you and uh, whoever would be listening to this to, to step up into a role of um, participating, not just for yourself to get through it and get on to the next thing, but, but participating in a way where your, your participation is actually going to be a reflection that somebody else sees. And hopefully that's a young person who's, who's going to be inspired to ask a deeper question or say something in the authentic uh, native language of the Haggadah or, or, or participate in the ritual in a way that they've never done before. So as we say after prayers, Amen. Amen. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean, Rabbi? <laughs> when do we eat? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what does Amen mean? What is Amen? Amen literally means I agree with what you're saying. Beautiful. I affirm what you're saying. It's true. It is true. So tell us, um, we're going to sign off in a second. So what's coming after Passover? What do we have, we're going to look forward to? 
you know, there's a lot of things going on. Passover is an eight-day uh, eight holiday. Um, then the, begins a period of counting of seven weeks until we get to the next big festival, which is uh, Shavuot, um, uh, which commemorates and, and celebrates the giving of the Torah. But on the weekly cycle of the Torah portions, we're now into the descriptions of the rituals that um, were taken on by the priesthood um, in the new, newly formed uh, Am Yisrael, the newly formed people of Israel. So it's all the sacrifices and special rituals that are associated with the spiritual service of the priesthood. Well, Chaim, Rabbi Chaim, it's just such a pleasure to be here with you to do this, and I look forward to our continuing conversation. Yay, thank you so much, Dr. B. Ben. Be your best, as we say. Be, be and, your best. And, and I'm going to put a plug in here for Afi Komen, the bookstore in Berkeley, fabulous place. If you don't know it and you live in the Bay Area, make a beeline over there. And if you <laughs> if you don't live in the Bay Area, check them out online. Thank you. AfiKomen.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been great. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please follow us on social media, Shrink the Rabbi, and come back next week for more.